And from time to time, you get stories put next to each other or sayings of Jesus like this. You think, why did Luke put these next door to each other? Something about millstones and forgiveness and servant. How does this fit together? Uh, Well, the Lord knows, and uh, I've done my best to see how I think it fits together. But let's pray that he'll speak to us this evening through his word. In the passage it says, the disciples asked, increase our faith. And we pray, Lord, that you would do that. You would help us to trust you more. And as we look at this passage from Luke's gospel, come and be our teacher. Send your Holy Spirit. Help us as we listen. Help me as I speak. And will you speak to each one of us? Thank you that you know us. Will you speak the next thing that we need to hear? in learning to trust you more. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I remember as a young Christian student, I saw a poster that said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? It's a good question. Is there enough different about our lives that can only be explained by faith in Jesus, or actually are our lives just the same as anybody else, but we happen to go to church rather than somewhere else on a Sunday. If, there, if you were arrested for being Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And it's, there's two sides to this. We come to faith in Jesus. We can't earn it. It's a gift. If you try and earn it, you'll wear yourself out and you won't get there. It's a gift, and we'll think about that a bit more tonight. But when we do come to faith in Jesus, it should make such a difference. He puts his Holy Spirit in us that it should really lead to a difference in the way we live. And year by year, a real difference such that there is some evidence to convict us. And in this passage tonight, we've got both sides of these things. There's something about initial faith and there's something about living it out. Lives that demonstrate that our faith is real. Uh, and I think it's this aspect of faith is what ties these, this bit of Luke's gospel together. In fact, it runs right through the whole gospel. It's not just this bit. But you've got the bit about faith as a mustard seed, and then you've got the faith of the Samaritan who came back. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Luke, what were you doing as you put all these things together? When I saw the faith there and the faith there, I think, well, it seems to be there's trust in Jesus that runs through this and faith that needs to make a difference And in fact, that follows on really well from the passage before it, which Andy was preaching on this morning, uh, of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man who there was no evidence of faith in him. He just didn't care for the poor at all. If there was, there needs to be an evidence of our faith if it's real. So let me uh, tease this out a bit more and we'll see where it's going. So we're going to think about faith from these two bits in the passage And then we'll look at all the other bits around it and see how they're the outworking of faith. So first of all, verses 5 and 6. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, it will obey you. Typical Hebrew hyperbole, but if you've got a tiny bit of faith, and we know how small mustard seeds are, we've all come home from primary school with our mustard and cress and done that, it only needs to be that big, nothing will be impossible, is what Jesus is saying. Now, from time to time, people have said to me, well, it's all right for you, Jonathan, I wish I had your faith, and if you've been a Christian any length of time, someone may have said that to you. I always reply, you can have. 
It's not something we either have or we don't have. We all have the ability to trust. Faith is putting this trust into God. But we all have the ability to do it. When you go to the doctor and describe your symptoms, or now when you get a phone appointment and you describe your symptoms, and then maybe you get a face-to-face one as well, uh, the doctor prescribes something that you can barely pronounce and hardly read. You don't really know what's in it. You might Google if you're suspicious, but you'll probably be none the wiser. You go to the chemist, they give you the prescription. Faith is when you take the pill or drink the medicine. You don't really know exactly what's there, but you trust that this will do you good. And if you have the ability to take the medicine the doctor prescribes for you, you have the ability to trust Jesus. Uh, if, you go, if you want to go to Birmingham or London or Coventry and you're going to go on the train, you get a timetable that says the train goes from this platform at this time. You know it probably won't be precisely that time, but if you turn up there, you know if you turn up late, it will have been on time. So you get there early and you're prepared to stay a bit longer, but you trust that there is a train going to that place at that time. Uh, It says on the front of the train it's going there. You don't really know where it is or it isn't, but you trust, you choose to get on. You're exercising faith. You arrange to meet a friend in town at a pub or a cafe at such and such a time, and you turn up there, you are trusting your friend. That is what faith is. It's taking someone at their word and doing something about it. And faith in Jesus is the same. Uh, It doesn't have to be big faith. It's not great faith in God. It's a tiny little bit of faith in a great God. And when we exercise that, we find that God is faithful. And then our faith starts to grow, as the mustard seed does. Uh, So if you're here and you're exploring the Christian faith... Uh, The truth is God loves you, he made you, he cares for you. None of us deserve this. We've all got things wrong, we've all sinned. Katie led us in a prayer of confession earlier. Uh, We don't deserve God's favour, but it's grace. He gives it to us and we receive it by faith, by trust. And when we do that, we discover so much more. When I bowed the knee to Jesus as my Lord when I was 18... I was blown away by the amount of joy and peace and hope and purpose that came in, uh, quite apart from the wonder of forgiveness and being washed clean. But it all starts with a little mustard seed of faith of choosing to step out uh, or even choosing to find out more. You may be exercising that mustard seed by being here tonight or by coming on Alpha to find out more there comes a point that we put our trust in Jesus. And you don't need to have great faith, just a little bit is where we put it. Uh, Then the other bit about faith is this story of the ten lepers. So let me read this again, verses 11 to 19. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, as they were required to do. They weren't allowed into the villages and towns. And they called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, if someone had leprosy or a skin disease like that, if they thought they were cleansed, cured, they had to go to the priest and he would examine them. And if they were cured, they were allowed back into society. So Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. 
One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now there's two sorts of healing going on here. Luke is a doctor and he gets his terms precisely. He knows in terms of mental illness when someone is mentally ill, sort of moonstruck, he knows when they're demonized. He gets, a, if it's spiritual, he gets, he gets his terms right. And in this passage, we have two different terms. One of them is about being cleansed, of being sort of cured physically. And the other is about being healed inwardly or saved, coming into a relationship with God. So the verse 14, when Jesus says, if we put verse 14 back up there, if we got that, um, go and show yourself to the priests and they'll be cleansed. You'll be, they were cleansed on the way as they went. There we go. As they went, they were cleansed. That is the Greek word. Andy would be proud of me. You can tell him I did some Greek tonight. He'd like that. I tend to do it when he's not here, so when he's not looking. But it's the Greek word katharizo, from which we get the word cathartic. That they were healed, cleansed of the leprosy. Uh, one of the ten comes back, throws himself at Jesus' feet. Jesus says, where are the other nine? Uh, if we go on to, the, to verse 19... Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. This is the word sozo that really is sometimes translated salvation. Your faith has saved you. So Luke is making a difference between the physical healing and then something much deeper for this one person. Ten were healed physically, cleansed, but one is saved. There's a trust in Jesus that is evidenced by his coming to return with thanks. And something deeper is going on. And Luke is a doctor, he's making a clear point. There's a difference between physical wellness and what's going on deeper, salvation. And this phrase, your faith has saved you, some translations in English saved, some say healed. The Greek has both senses about it. You get it at least four times. Um, you got it in chapter 7, verse 50. This was where the, the woman had come, at, Jesus was at the dinner party, and the woman comes, a uh, sinful woman, a reputation of sinful, so blown away by Jesus' love and forgiveness, she cries over his feet and washes his feet with her hair, and the Pharisees are scandalized, but Jesus says, your faith has saved you. It's the sozo word again. Go in peace. There's something about her trust in Jesus, her faith, that means she's not, she's, there's forgiveness and there's a deep inner healing she's saved uh, you get it in chapter 8 verse 48 this is the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years on the way to raising Jairus's daughter from the dead this woman who's been bleeding thinks if if I just touch the hem of his garment I'll be well that is a mustard seed of faith isn't it and Jesus feels the power going out from him and he says well who touched me and they all say Everybody's touching it as a crowd. And he said, no, no, I felt power go out of me. And he sees the woman and he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. It's the sozo word. You're not only cleansed from the bleeding, there's something inward that you're saved from. 
Uh, and we'll get it again in the next chapter. We're in Luke 17 tonight, but in Luke 18, verse 42, we have the blind man crying out, Jesus, son of man, have mercy on me. And this faith that cries out to Jesus, he's not just healed of his blindness. He can see, but something deeper. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. It's, it's a deep word. And Luke is making the point that Jesus may do all sorts of good things for you physically, but it needs that faith, that trust, to come to a salvation, come to a relationship with God, something deeper and inward through you. And we find this the whole way through the Bible. God gives generously to everybody. I love the verse in Matthew 5, verse 45, where it says God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God blesses everybody with so much good. But not everybody is in relationship with God. Not everybody has come to know their sins are forgiven, that God accepts them to be healed inwardly to be saved. So many people just take the good things that God gives and then ignore him. They want his stuff. We were thinking this with the two lost sons last Sunday morning, both the younger boy who wants the father's stuff, doesn't want the father, and the older one who doesn't really want relationship with the father, he just wants a goat to party with, he wants the stuff. God wants a relationship with us and the way into that is through faith and it starts with just a mustard seed. And here we have this Samaritan leper who is presumably blown away by the fact that he's been cleansed. On the way to see the priest, his skin is restored and he's full of thanks to God and he comes back to Jesus to say thank you. And there's something about that that is the mustard seed of faith. And he's far more than cleansed, he's healed. Now, all the way through the Bible, we cannot earn this. It's a gift. We receive it by faith. Uh, Luke travelled around with St Paul an awful lot, and he would have heard St Paul preach this. Um, I love these verses from Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Luke probably heard Paul preach this often enough, but Paul wrote this to the Ephesians. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so no one can boast. So none of us is good enough. Not that you have to be perfect if you want to be good enough for God. The other way is to be forgiven. And we receive that by faith. It's a gift. But when that happens, God he gives us so much more. We're not only forgiven, we're filled with his spirit, we're adopted into his family, God himself starts living within us. That starts working out. And Paul goes on to this next verse, verse 10 of Ephesians 2. We are God's handiwork, God's poem, literal Greek word poema, something he's crafted carefully, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. These good works don't earn our salvation, but God's made us to do good. And as people of faith, we need to be discovering what those good works are. Uh, interviewed Andy earlier about Andy sensing that call from God to start the Wellbeing Cafe and now to hand over responsibility to carry on as part of it. Uh, all of us, God's made us with good things to do. And this is where the poster I quoted earlier comes in. If you're arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Where is the evidence in our life that this faith is real? Uh, 
The book of James is all about that. Let's see that your faith is real by the way it's worked out. It's not that we earn our salvation, but if it's real, it will result in good works to the praise of God. And around these two things of faith, the mustard seed and the leper, are four snippets of a life that honours God that I think is, these are evidence of a healthy Christian life, a life of faith. And this is my best guess of what's going on in Luke's mind as he puts this together. Who knows, when we get to glory, I may get a conversation with Luke and he may well say, Jonathan, I heard you preach and that wasn't it at all. Entirely likely. Or he may say, you know, you got it, that was, that was what I was thinking, that's why I put them together. Uh, Who knows? But let's look at these other bits of the passage. And I think all of these are the way we live out a genuine life of faith. So first of all, thankfulness. This was the leper. He came back and thanked Jesus. And Jesus said, that is an expression of trust. And St. Paul says to the Colossians, Colossians 2, 6 and 7, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That is a key to healthy Christian life. Colossians is full of it. You could go and read Colossians uh, in not very long, take your caution hour or something to read it, and you'll find, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight references to thankfulness in there. It's overflowing with thankfulness. I think it's uh, one of the reasons that some Christians go wrong is they might have all the sound doctrine, but they're not very thankful. And when we realise what Jesus has given us, we don't earn it, it's by faith, then thankfulness is a proper healthy response. And as we're thankful, uh, our spiritual health grows, and it's a sign of spiritual health, being thankful. Uh, Second sign of spiritual health from here is being caring of others. You may say this is very obvious, but I think this is what verses 1 to 3 of our passage are about. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied round their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And it went on to say, so watch yourselves. In other words, be careful how you treat other people. You don't know what they're going through. Don't cause them to stumble. Watch out for them. People are carrying heavy loads. Don't make life difficult for them. See what you can do to help them and care for them. Uh, We all know people who it's kind of the opposite. You're sort of treading on eggshells all around them. Now... All of us are prickly bits about us. But as we go on in a life of faith, we should be increasingly aware of those and looking for others, not just making everybody dance on eggshells all around us. If there is real faith, you will be increasingly the person who looks out for others rather than the person that everybody else is watching out for. Uh, It's kind of an evidence of a healthy faith. It's watching out for others, making life easy for others, putting yourselves out for others, not making them put themselves out for you. Here's the third one, forgiving. Uh, We got this verses three and four. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Actually, we're not very good at that being British, are we? We tend to just moan about them to everybody else, which is not the way. If someone gets something wrong, we're meant to tell them. 
Uh, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back saying, sorry, I repent, you must forgive them. Forgiveness is a hallmark of trusting Jesus. This is because we are aware of how far short we fall and how much we need forgiveness. I often put it like this, visually, if I'm holding on to my grudge against someone, I can't, my hands are not open to receive the forgiveness that God wants to give me. So we say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive me my sins, forgive us our sins, as we forgive others. The two go together. We release others, we receive God's forgiveness. It becomes a sort of virtuous circle. And in our forgiving of others, it's kind of evidence that we know we're forgiven. Uh, and it's not a doormat forgiveness. This isn't to wipe your feet all over me, it doesn't matter what you do. If they get things wrong, we tell them. Because we care enough for our brother and sister to say, no, that's not good, you need to be watching that. But doing it in a way that's helpful. So thanking, caring, forgiving and serving. Uh, serving is a vital part of a healthy life of faith. So uh, this, these few verses from verses 7 to 11 about serving. Suppose one of you has a servant ploughing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you can eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants, we've only done our duty. Now, we don't live in a generation where most of us have servants. Previous generations did, and this would have connected strong. But the point is clear. Jesus is saying we are to serve. And we're not to expect too much thanks for it. That's just who we are. God has adopted us into his family. We're sons and daughters, but we're also servants of the Lord Jesus. And our Lord Jesus came to serve. Famously, Mark 10, 45, he said this. Even the Son of Man, even Jesus himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we're called to serve. In a few weeks' time, we'll come to our annual Vision and Commitment Sundays. I try and articulate the vision God's called us to as a church the best I can. And I invite everybody to think through how we connect with that, how we give up our finances, how we pray, how we serve both here at St Paul's and further, further afield in different places. But that's a normal part. If we're not serving, that's kind of not very healthy for people of faith. So there's loads here in this passage. There's stuff about initial faith. You only need a mustard seed. It might start with coming back to say thank you to Jesus for something he's done. Remember someone who came to faith in this church about 10 years ago said, I said, what's the best thing? He said, it's having someone to thank. I've <laughs> got lots of good things in my life, but now I can say thank you. And it really grew in his faith. Where to be, it may start very small. It may then get to the point of commitment to Jesus as Lord. And then our faith keeps growing. I wonder what the Lord is working on in you next. It may be if you're exploring Christian faith, saying, well, I need to find out more about this. If that is you, we've got some copies of Luke's Gospel at the back. You're welcome to take one and just read it through. And I commend you reading it with a sort of honest agnostic prayer. God, if this is true, I don't know, but help me to know. 
to read it with that sort of, Jesus, if you're really who they say you are, I'd like to know. Or maybe you've become a Christian and all the resources of heaven are available to you by faith. We need to look up. Katie started the service by thinking of Peter sinking when he looked around at all the waves and the wind. When he looked up, Jesus strengthened him and established him. How can you grow in your faith? Well, is he calling you to be more thankful? For some of you, that will be the word of the Lord tonight. And you may want to just make a discipline of every day thinking of five things to thank God for until it just becomes natural. Is he calling you to forgive someone? Now, if it's a relatively small thing, that is a choice to make. If it's a big thing, that can take some working at. And there can be several layers to it. And you may need some help with that, talking things through and praying that through. We'd love to help you with that. Uh, if you find you're, you're wanting to get to the point of forgiveness, but you just can't. We, when people have been hurt badly, we don't want to be glib about this. This is a costly thing to do. It costs Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And it, where there's been deep, deep pain inflicted, actually to forgive at that depth is a process and it takes time but as we find ourselves doing that it's real evidence of God at work in us is he calling you to uh, look out for others needs you're just a bit convicted maybe I've got people treading on eggshells around me maybe I need to deal with some stuff to care for others is he calling you to serve in an area we mentioned tonight uh, the well-being cafe or the children's ministry or the youth ministry if you want to help with that uh, Lizzie will be around I'm sure by the welcome desk afterwards as well always glad for people to come and help in that ministry uh, a whole load of things let me finish with a phone call I had with a friend uh, just a week ago talking about how God might be calling him to a new ministry and I said well that's going to be costly and he said yes but not compared to Calvary <laughs> when, we, when we compare ourselves to what Jesus has done I thought oh, fair enough fair enough and when we follow his lead, there's a great joy in it. Uh, so let's stand and I'll lead in prayer. And if the band would come back ready to lead us in our final song, that would be wonderful. Lord Jesus, none of us deserves your grace, but you give it freely. And we come to you with our mustard seed of faith. And we want to put that trust in you. And pray that our faith would grow. For anyone here exploring the truth of this, will you open their eyes to the truth of this, that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that there is forgiveness, that this life is not all there is, that death is not the end, that we're built for eternity with you, that you love us and want to adopt us and help us be the best version of ourselves. Lord, draw people to you. For most of us here, we are Christians, Lord. We've bowed our knee to you as Lord, and we pray for grace to be people of faith, forgiving and thanking and caring and serving. That if we were arrested for being Christians, there would be plenty of evidence. So come by your Holy Spirit and minister to us tonight. Take a minute just quietly. Maybe things you want to ask the Lord or say to him. You may just want to listen for what he 
brings to mind. But speak, Lord, in the stillness by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray for grace to cooperate with you in becoming more like Jesus and becoming more truly ourselves. And we ask you to continue to minister to us by your spirit as we sing. And then if there's one or two of us or more that you want to get some prayer, that you'll just nudge us to do that. And for any among us, those who came in a bit sinking, Lord, we continue to look up to you and pray, Lord, help us, save us, set us back on our feet, trusting you. And may we as a church increasingly be like Jesus. I know we've got such a long way to go, but continue your work in us. And we ask it all in his name. Amen.